0: You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 156. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and
1: Pontus Böckmann. stock. Hey, son, hey, son. Oh, hello again. How are you? I am much better, thank you very much. Me and the Pope says hi.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the Pope. Yeah, our listeners don't see that, (laughs) but uh, we usually record uh, through Skype video. And in front of Pontus, there is the the Battle Hat Pope figure, the little figure that is shaking his head.
1: Yeah. The bobblehead uh, Pope from, uh, of uh, QED fame. Of the QED fame. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had it there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Pope is ready to go. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Yes, we are. Very, Thank very you, good. Uh, I, I know we've already sh- shared this on our Facebook page and other places, but uh, I just want to mention again... The, the excellent interview that Annika did. Friend of the show, Good friend of the show, Annika. Hello, Annika. <laughs> she did an interview with Natalie Gams that was then published in The Skeptical Enquirer. So uh, we hope everybody's reading that. And of course, we've talked about Natalie Gam's book many times. Now there was a little bit, you know, different uh, publication dates of the English version, but it's now published. I have been informed by Amazon that my copy is in the mail. So go ahead and order that. Mm Oh,
0: nice. (laughs) All -hmm. right. (laughs) Okay. Let us us know what's in there. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I've looked around since I'm now home for almost a month. I'm not going on 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 another tour again for almost a month. You refuse to travel. I'm, (laughs) I'm hoping to be able to catch up. well my reads and on my podcast feeds and everything so yeah ee, i'm so excited so yeah. natalie Grams's book is among yeah. the ones that i i tend to get my hands on yeah and it's called homeopathy reconsidered
1: so yes that's what it you is talking about. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: and it's a it's a great interview i i read it a couple of days ago and it was uh well i, I think the day after it was published and it's such a lovely one. I mean, mm. both Annika and uh, Natalie are lovely people. We've met them uh, both in person, and uh, the great work that they do is, is amazing. Annika is a member of uh, Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia as well, and uh, that is an important work that they do there as well, mm. uh, led by Susan Gerbic. So please, people, go online, go on the Skeptical Inquirer's website, and don't forget to uh, read that interview but i think we've got a couple of uh things to to talk about the, today so why don't we crack on with the show and to do that we always start with Yelana uh shedding some light on who or what makes this week in skepticism special
2: Indeed. And I do have a special person for today's episode, indeed. And it's somebody who we all know and talk about. Well, not him particularly, but he, about his work. And it's, it's his uh, Ed Z. Ernst. We use his website quite often on our show, very openly, because he publishes a lot of really good articles and a, a lot of really good uh, opinions and research on complementary medicine. And he was actually born on the 30th of January. Ooh, happy birthday. Nice, happy birthday. Uh, he was born in. 30th 30th of January 1948, so it was actually around date last year. But yes, happy birthday, Edzard Ernst. And uh, he uh, has got quite a fascinating life. He's written a couple of books that we have mentioned before, uh, Trick or Treatment, More Harm Than Good. He also won the Ockham Award at one of the conferences, uh, the QED conference, Question, Explore, Discover, a couple of years ago for his blog. And um, he has been um, quite um, outspoken in uh, criticizing the complementary medicine. Um, So his journey is actually quite fascinating. And I think he describes it in, in one of his books, but uh, we also interviewed him on our show as well, if somebody wants to listen to that. He started as being the first professor of complementary medicine and he worked in the University of Exeter and he was the first academic position in the world with this title. And uh, as he was working in the University of Exeter, uh, researching the complementary medicine, uh, he started off actually believing that all these things work and he trained in acupuncture, uh, herbalism, homeopathy, but as the time went on, he realized that a lot of it uh, is is just uh, in the best case scenario, placebo effect, and and in worst cases, actually harm people. So he he then became a quite um, prolific um, sort of writer on on the topic of uh, complementary medicine and trying to uncover all the harm that it does. Hence, the one of his books called "More Good than than Harm." Um, he uh, dedicated one of his books to Prince of Wales mm. treatment, alternative me- medicine on trial and um, he was trying to uh, say, well he, he was saying that the, um, that the millions of pounds were spent on the alternative medicine but the, the, actually those medic- alternative medicine are completely unproven so um, it, and it's all basically just a trick and he had a bit of a fight with uh, Prince Charles Um he was accused by, by Prince um, of having breached confidentiality agreement regarding the 2005 Smallwood report um, and uh, he's been investigated uh, after this accusation by the University uh, of Exeter Um and even though he at the end was uh seen as as being innocent in in, in uh, the accusation. He kind of became a person non-grata, unfortunately, and all his fundraising for his unit ceased, and forcing him to uh, use up all his co-funding and then retire two years earlier than he would would have otherwise done. Uh, But on the plus side it freed more time for him to write wonderful articles on his blog uh, and he does that quite regularly um and it's um and the website is edzarderns.com. we will also li- link to this website in our show notes um so there you go folks yeah. that's
0: Oh. And, and and we link to that website quite regularly ourselves because we use his his blog posts quite often as a source of information especially regarding the goings on in Germany in the field of uh, complementary and alternative medicine mm-hmm. but I think the last book I read cover to cover was one of his books and that is uh, a Scientist in Wonderland. It's quite um an autobiographical kind of kind of book that is is not necessarily a science book, but it, it it details a lot of his actions and how he went from a believer in alternative medicine to the an ardent critic of it and he dedicates quite a lot of that book to his fight with the Prince of Wales, yeah. uh, so I do. I do recommend that to to everyone. Um, it's a good read, um, and. And, and it's very nicely written as well
1: yeah there's a lot of lessons learned there how to how to approach things critically how to reconsider yeah. your thoughts and how not to pick a fight with the Prince of Wales
0: yeah <laughs> and how if you follow the science if you follow the, sci- the rules of science and how scientific progress is made then you end up being a critique of complementary and alternative medicine because that's where science leads you and the above mentioned natalie grams is one example of that as well that she just started following the science and that's where she where it led her yeah so yeah it's a it's a great story by the way he's almost the same age as his great buddy the prince of wales yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who's also around 17 but, but you right know now.
1: in all seriousness it's tragic that the the, the 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 royalty can have that kind of influence yes, on people's personal careers and stuff it ah, makes me mad when you read that story on the uh, in the book you actually
0: kind of start feeling that anger yeah. towards him yeah. and i recently had a had a conversation about the prince of wales and and um, an english guy and he says that uh he believes that he's going to be he's going to be a good king because he's devoted to uh this role and he takes it very seriously and and and, and all that but then i came up with this little incident which is not that little and especially no. not for Edzard Ernst no, really. and it, it's a significant issue that was raised by Edzard Ernst and his story uh, and his clash with the with the prince so I I have my doubts about his abilities and yeah I don't think he's the brightest person ever but never mind this is not for me to judge all right thank you very much Elana all righty and uh, as usual, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is when Pontus pokes the Pope again.
1: Oh, yes. So uh, I have quite some uh, interesting news about the Pope this week. Uh, on the 20th of January, Francis launched a praying app on uh, an iPhone app. Or a... What? Yeah, it's called Click to Pray. And just to be clear this time, it's not about preying on young boys, it's about Praying with an A. So, so you don't oh. get that missed <laughs> Don't, don't mis- So, it, but it's pretty cool. So, so you can, in this app, you can uh, uh, post prayer suggestions and you can let other people pray your prayers for you by clicking it. So you just click and you've prayed. And of course, Francis himself also puts out uh, daily suggestions and then you just click to pray. Perfectly. You don't have, you don't have to say the words. You have, you don't even have to read the words. You just, click there and I can see you can see here David from the United States he he has uh, lost his job so he prays to to Jesus and Mary to get a new job so I just and I can show you here on the video of course the listeners well so you just click oh you've got it on your phone okay I've got, oh of course I couldn't I couldn't resist so then okay so now I've clicked David's post, I get a little thank you note and hopefully he will get a new job. And Arthur here wants us to pray for his grandfather because his grandfather tragically fell and may have broken his hip. So then I'll click to pray that as well. So thank you for praying. <laughs> it's an excellent thing, actually. Uh, I, I think uh, it's uh, uh, the, the church finally takes the step into whatever century we're in now and uh, it's, it's pretty fun I, I don't know uh, if it will help but apparently God is a user of this app because otherwise it wouldn't work would it so he's following the or prayers at least
0: he approves God must must approve of that uh, well, uh, of that app I hope because... so
1: otherwise it's really failing Yeah.
0: and especially because uh, the Pope is basically the spokesperson for god on earth yeah uh he must have consulted
1: god himself i'm sure he did b- yes
0: before they yeah. before they launched that
1: yeah ad. yeah that
0: and, brilliant
1: yeah and francis has a lot to pray for or about uh, he is in trouble we we're going to get back to this but uh i've mentioned before that in Jan- in february sorry there will be a bishops conference to address the abuse crisis crisis it will go on for 3 days yeah i wonder if they will fix it in 3 days and also uh, the vatican has warned against what they call excessive expectations. So yeah, my expectations are pretty low as well.
0: Excessive expectations about what?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. About out radical outcomes to fix the problem, I guess. And what we should look out for in between there and now, according to uh, what people speculate about on the internet, is that first of all, there is a uh, former archbishop of uh, in in Washington Theodore McCarrick he's going to be judged by the something called the CDF mm-hmm. and the CDF is the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith oh, okay. and do you know what that used to be called the the inquisition yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's the inquisition not the spanish inquisition mind you it's the papal inquisition so that's different but still and anyway, we will see. He he will be uh, get some sort of sentence uh, or judgment from the CDF. Before that happens, uh, they the speculation is that uh, the successor to McCarrick, Cardinal Donald Whirl, I think it's how you pronounce it, will also get fired because he has conveniently. Uh, forgotten about that he already knew about McCarrick's uh, crimes in in, tw- in 2004, so 2004. So they will probably fire him first and replace him with a new uh, archbishop and cardinal, and then they will give a sentence to McCarrick, trying to get that out of the way before they start with this uh, bishops' conference. He's a busy guy, uh, Francis, and he has a lot to pray for, so I'm glad he has this app.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah. One thing is so show, show that something will not happen that uh, recently got got some attention, uh, which was a blog on um, Pethios, uh called Laughing in Disbelief. It's a satirical kind of blog, and and uh, some people really take it seriously when they read that uh, Italy arrests cardinals and seizes Vatican City. <laughs> 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 and the, this article claimed that um, yeah, all the the pedophile um, um cardinals were uh, arrested and uh, the the when after busloads of orphans were uh, imported to the Vatican city and all that kind of stuff um so that that was not true but it was a funny thing um yeah. to to read online um one can only hope that uh, at some point something like this will happen the only problem is that the Vatican is a sovereign state so it should not yeah. just be um seized by the the roman police <laughs> let, let's so,
1: yeah let's not uh, you know let's it's... just
0: let them be but th- they should really deal with their own stuff um in the meantime so uh, yeah mm-hmm. okay uh all right thank you very much
1: pontus for poking the pope once again oh i forgot to say actually it's kind of poking the pope when you press the click to pray it's like poking the the app so <laughs> so uh, it's funny as well okay all right so uh let's
0: move on to talking about what's happening in europe right now you know sometimes sometimes i've got the feeling that if news are coming from the uk and those news concern something very successful a successful campaign it's either the good thinking society or sense about science now We've mentioned a couple of times on this show uh, the campaign called All Trials, uh, which is led by uh, Dr. Ben Goldacre, who's um, the director of the EBM Data Lab at the University of Oxford, which is the evidence-based medicine data lab in Oxford. And All Trials is basically a campaign that he is a co-founder of, and it's led by Sense About Science. And it aims to... Uh, provide some kind of uh, regulatory environment for um, um, so clinical trials so that every clinical trial that has been registered has to be reported as well. I mean, the, the trial re- uh, results yeah. have to be reported. Yeah. Even the and negative a- ones, yeah. Exactly. And this is a very important initiative because if you think about it, it, it only makes sense if... Everything is reported because then you know how reliable the data is. Then you know what to expect of a certain medicinal product that has been launched on the market. And obviously, um, out of respect towards those who devote time, energy, So those people who participate in these um, uh, clinical trials, they deserve to know the the result of every single trial. But uh, we are far, very, very far from the situation being ideal. However, it has recently been reported on that... The House of Commons, the UK House of Commons Science and Technology Committee, has started to pay a lot of attention to unreported studies and unreported clinical trial results. And especially when it comes to UK universities that run these uh, uh, clinical trials. And uh, well, All Trials and the EBM Data Lab put together an online so called trials tracker, which is a tool developed in order to track all the um, the register studies. So it's, it's a, a pretty good initiative and it's now an EU-wide trials tracker, actually. Uh, well, there is some legal harmonization as well within the EU. The EU is trying to deal with, um, especially the European Medicines Agency, is trying to deal with the clinical trial regulation problem but it has been going on since 2014 and it still hasn't been completely implemented yet but the the final aim would be to have every single registered trial reported as well but the numbers seem to be far from convincing so so far they tr- they found the the trials tracker found that 46% of EU trials have not reported results according to the EU's reporting rules since 2013 when the, pro- the the all trials campaign was launched which is very shocking i think because it's almost half of them uh that have not been reported uh, uh, of of these studies and uh, some charity organizations uh only forty percent of the world's largest charity and government bodies uh, that fund clinical trials require researchers to report clinical trial results as well so i'm quoting these uh, from alltrials.net which is the website of the of the campaign so it is quite shocking but the good news is that the on the 24th of uh, january uh, the common science and technology committee announced that uh, they will uh, follow and investigate those situations and those cases when uh, some registered um, organizations fail to publish data from clinical trials because that could potentially present risk to human health. Yeah. So I think it's a great achievement that they got the attention of such an important regulatory body. And uh, I think it's a good example for, uh, for many other uh, bodies in different, uh, different other countries
1: to follow. Absolutely.
2: Um, as we record this episode, Sunday, twenty seventh of January, it's actually an International Holocaust Rem- Remembrance Day. Um, so the Holocaust Memorial uh, Day Trust uh, has released uh, a research to mark this this year Holocaust Memorial Day, and it uh, they have uh, they've served over two thousand people. This is this is all in UK, by the way and um, they've discovered that 64% of the Soviet people uh, either do not know how many Jews were murdered or grossly underestimate the number. 45% of those called said they did not know how many people were killed, while 1 in 5, so 19%, believe fewer than 2 million Jews were murdered. And actually, it's also turned out that 5% of all the people who were questioned uh, apparently, do not believe that the Holocaust actually happened, and we're talking 2019
1: UK. Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's really appalling. That's... I, I'm also surprised about the number. I mean, I think everybody knew, or in my world, I thought everybody knew the 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 number six million Jews. Even if I'm not sure how accurate that is. Yeah. So, no, that... it's
2: it's it seems, it's the official one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but so. That a lot of people think that it's like two million, or or as if that was better. I mean, it, I mean this, you know, this is terrible in either case. But yeah,
0: if a hundred yeah. people were killed in concentration camps, <laughs> yeah. is. Is terrible in itself, but I, but, but, uh, yeah. but the reason I am surprised is
1: that I thought that the six million number was such an iconic number that everybody should know about that. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, so, but yeah, what shocked me, what shocked me the most was, of course, the five percent. Um, in this day and age, um, it's pretty unacceptable. I am um, not sure if, if the laws um, there is a law in was it Germany or Poland where Holocaust denialism is against the law.
1: Possibly both, I think it's in, in Germany at least. I'm
2: not sure if this is the way to go, I, be, I mean, it, it probably still doesn't resolve the issue of people not being aware, but um, this is, um, this is all, all new figures, folks, so wow. not that great.
0: Actually, I'm, I'm absolutely not in favor of uh, any kind of denialism being against the law. Hmm. I mean, uh, it's not the very
2: effective way to <laughs> solve it's, the problem. It's
0: not because this is the same old argument uh, over and over again. I think it's counterproductive. Yeah. Because it's uh, if if it if it happens. So when it comes to and this is this is where we don't agree necessarily with Pontus on, for example, compulsory uh, vaccination. <laughs> but I think it's a different thing. It's a different matter. Yeah. Because with vaccination. It's a public health issue. There is a scientific background to it. There is um, an an argument to be made. And you have to be vaccinated. If you don't agree with that, you can talk about that. And you have to be informed about why it's necessary. But you have to be vaccinated first. Uh, With Holocaust denial, it, it somehow undermines the societal structure and the web of society somehow but you can prevent that by educating people about it but my issue and and it made me think because uh especially today and i put out a a facebook post about that as well about my concerns that what i see happening in the world is the resurgence of those ideas and and those sentiments that led to the holocaust yeah and if if i think about it there were a couple of parties for example and political movements back then that were banned and it 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 only strengthened them so it banning something is not necessarily the way to go because it can add this that special aspect to it that we are the underdogs we are the ones being oppressed here and and they try to oppress us because there is something to what we do what we say and and there are more and more people listening to this mm. uh, and that that's concerning and my fear is that in society as as a whole there is a lack of historical memory or historical is- is it is a thing? Is there is there such a thing as historical memory? Whatever, this is what I call it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Don't, I, I understand what you mean. So We don't have actual memories of historical events anymore. No. So we just learn them from history books. But there are people who are much more interested in it and it becomes part of their worldview and how they see the world. But there are others who d- just don't care because they have no actual memories about it. And I think that's an issue that we have to find a solution to sooner rather than later yeah. because we are facing difficulties. Moving on, this is not a, an easy topic either because we, from time to time we mention how complementary and alternative medicine is not only useless, but sometimes it is dangerous and it brings in some kind of a risk when someone chooses... Uh, pseudotherapies instead of real therapies and um, lately we've reported a lot on uh, what's going on in spain with regards to uh, tackling the issue of uh, complementary and alternative medicine being on the rise in spain there is an organization that is called the association to protect patients of pseudotherapies by protecting them i mean protecting them from pseudotherapies therapies uh, and the effects of that and uh, th- this report has been um, issued recently uh, that gives the world an estimation as to how many people might have died on a yearly basis in recent years uh, due to g- g- going through pseudo therapies instead of real medicinal therapies in spain and they estimate it to be between 1200 and 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 1500 people uh, to uh, 1210 and 1460 uh is the estimated number of deaths a year wow. due to yeah pseudotherapies and i started translating it or i understand quite a bit of it but I put it in the in the uh, Google Translate and and started to read up on it. It's really interesting how they ended up with those numbers. So they found actual cases, reported cases of death that can be associated with pseudotherapies, and then they extrapolated that uh, those numbers that they actually had uh by uh, using different factors economical fa- factors different uh societal factors putting in this this algorithm kind of thing and uh, they came up with that but the reported cases are terrible I mean, there are mer- mercury poisonings uh, by homeopathic products that, that shouldn't have contained anything <laughs> of, of the material. But then a couple of um, toxic plant products, uh, homeopathic products that that were used. A petroleum D5 product, which ended up with kerosene poisoning. Wow, FIFA. So these are the actual cases that led to very serious issues, and even deaths. So this is the method that, that, that they use. that they took the actual examples, saw how many people die in different um, ailments, um, and it's really shocking. But I'm pretty sure that it's not very far off Yeah. Uh, when we think of um, how many people choose to go down that road instead of going through uh, regular and well science based medicine
1: but but do you know András, if they tried to estimate the number of people who died because they didn't take their real medicine? I mean you can take uh, homeopathy, which is just sugar <coughs> sugar pills, and then you yes. say, "Okay, I'm taking this yes. one and so I can skip the chemotherapy or whatever. Did they include that kind of deaths as well Yes, they okay. did yeah
0: they did uh, yeah so i I took this these examples because these were the shocking ones. Yeah, um, yeah okay,
1: okay. But you often, very often hear people who are selling CAMs or scams or whatever we call them that they say that we never encourage people to, to stop taking their chemotherapy. That we always say that they should do that as well. If it's cancer or whatever kind of medication you, you should get, but that doesn't help so much because people feel psychologically that if they're taking this other herbal remedies as well they can ease up a little bit on the other stuff because yeah, yeah. so even if you say well we never tell them to not take your ordinary normal medicine it doesn't really help i think it it's really and, it's,
0: and it can be implied still yeah so even if even if it's not uh, suggested outright mm. it can be implied and and that's probably even more dangerous
1: yeah and i i i, I... In from that respect, I think the numbers sound low, actually. But it's very hard to to estimate, I guess.
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure that uh, the the reason why they didn't boost it up a little bit is, was that um, th- there were serious um, uncertainties within within this sure. method of trying to estimate the numbers. So I do agree with that that it's a very low number.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And as opposed to the the, the uh, scam and cam salesmen uh, these people are intellectually honest so they don't want to include anything that's not necessarily Mm. proven
0: and the the other thing that they do mention is how limited is the access to high quality studies Mm. when it comes to the effect of pseudotherapies Mm. Uh, the overall ev- effect. And um, I'm pretty sure that's that's another important factor in their being very cautious with the numbers. Hmm. Yeah, important. Very, very important, I think we all agree.
1: Yep. So let's move on to the next item, which is a sort of combined Danish, uh, German, and Swedish uh, news item. Mm-hmm. And it's about raw food. Raw food is very popular in some communities. Uh, there are many variants. They range from being entirely vegan uh an uncooked food, of course, it's what it's all about, but also diets that are almost exclusively based on animal protein. Raw food doesn't have to be completely raw. Uh, it can also be fermented, dried, or even heated. But as a rule, people generally agree that it shouldn't be heated above 40 degrees centigrade. The modern raw food movement can be tracked back to a Swiss a physicist called Maximilian Bircher-Benner who lived he was born in the 1860s and died in 1939 but i'm i'm sure a lot of people have contributed to this is this is a typical natural fallacy a uh, thing where you think that uh, if we don't cook it it's more natural and it should be better for you Not always the case. (laughs) 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 And and maybe this is not news for all, and maybe it's not even surprising, but I lately came across the equivalent of raw food diets for pets. That is something that is also, I think, uh, being uh, promoted more and more. And this is mostly, uh, as I found it, around dogs and cats. The term they use for pets is biologically appropriate raw food. Uh, I'm sure there are many players. There is a German manufacturer of this that it's also sold in, in the Nordic countries. And if you look at the term here, now it becomes a little bit funny. Biologically appropriate raw food actually spells out barf. So they are selling barf to your pets. I don't think that they thought this through per- uh, uh, <laughs> properly. I think that's a pretty stupid name. Uh, d- so don't buy barf for your pets. Uh, I can quote Wikipedia because that's very convenient to do, but you know, I'm sure a lot of people. We'll agree with this that veterinary associations such as American Veterinary Medical Association, British Veterinary Association and Canadian Veterinary Medical Association has warned the public about this and they say, among other things, there's no, no scientific evidence to support the claimed benefits of raw feeding. So don't buy boff for your pet. Uh, please be a little bit sensible about that. Yeah. Mm. Do you guys like um, raw potatoes? Uh, not not necessarily, no, but I have, I have yeah, tasted that's it.
0: That's good. That's good because, for example, potatoes are uh, among those that, that require cooking uh, because there is um, a material called uh, solanine. hmm and uh, with the serious um, amounts being consumed, uh, it can result in symptoms like vomiting or diarrhea.
1: All right, really. So, oh, I mean, of yeah. course, of course, the reason that we cook food is to get... It's a, a very evolutionary advantage we have over the other animals. We found out a long time ago that by cooking food, you get rid of uh, germs and, and stuff so that yeah. it's more... Well, it's less risky to eat uh, uh, meat, for instance, that has been cooked. So, And I
0: think it's quite well established, but I haven't re- read up on it lately, but uh, I, I remember it uh, from my studies, that cooking food and not eating raw, fu- raw food uh, also helped our digestive system. In terms of uh, coping with uh, with nutrients, sure. That uh, it's much easier to digest everything that is that is already cooked. Yeah. And
1: um, no, no, that's true. I mean, think of certain kinds of meats with a lot of uh, fat and a lot of uh, yeah, yeah, th- yeah you know, th- hard things in it. You know, if you cook it, it becomes digestible for us. So yeah.
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm pretty sure that we have. Adjusted to it. I mean, evolutionarily. Oh yes. Um, we we Certainly. we got accustomed to that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, whoa. Barf. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that was your Randy's candy. No. <laughs> you know what a Randy's candy is, right? Not entirely sure. No. Do you guys follow a watch? Qi.
1: Not not as much. It's not very accessible. It's not easy to get to here in Sweden.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's there are parts that are put online on yeah. on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, but it just f- a couple minutes cut out. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can I can only listen but uh, watch it while while I'm with my sisters in the UK because they have uh TV license. But Randy Scandi is when uh, Sandy Toxwick, who's uh, the current host of QI and she's of Danish origin. She comes up with a with a, a random Scandinavian fact and <laughs> that's called a random Randy Scandi.
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
0: Okay, talking about a lot of silliness, mentioning that uh, it it can occasionally be really dangerous as well, potentially risky, is when someone comes up. Okay, we all know that homeopathy does not work. It it doesn't perform better than placebo, and yet there are people taking it very, very seriously. Uh, So much so, that in the evidence reports that um, the European Committee for Homeopathy uh, uh, with Belgian homeopaths, uh, they issued a statement asking everyone to not remain silent anymore because uh, homeopathy is under attack and we have to defend homeopathy and it goes into all the details about clinical efficacy uh, that patient Oh, and a very good argument from popularity with uh, uh, referring to patients not being stupid and they know what they have experienced and if they like it and if they think that it's it's good it must be something there must be something something to it but i think the most dangerous thing is not this it's when someone claims that they can heal cancer with homeopathy mm. and as Ed Zederns puts it a rather dramatic example has been given recently which is a book published in 2019 with the title healing cancer or homeopathic approach and the guy, that uh, is Dr. Farok J. Master, a PhD and a medical doctor, he wrote this book and he claims that for the last 40 years he's been an active uh, practitioner, homeopathic practitioner, following Master Hahnemann's teachings and the like, and uh, that all his wisdom and all his experience is put into that book, which is available for downloads free of charge actually if you want the, the hard copy uh, you will be charged for it but this is dang- a dangerous area this is a potentially dangerous area because when when you apply homeopathy to illnesses like like a common cold that's not a big deal but this is this is when it gets serious when you actually claim that you can kill, heal cancer with it and it should not be legal to do so he says it's a complete handbook a ready reference providing authentic information on every aspect of malignant diseases it covers the cancer related topics beginning from cancer archetype clinical information on diagnosis prevention conventional treatment homeopathic aspects therapeutics polycrest remedies etc etc this is uh the the overview that i quoted the overview of the book online uh, which we'll link to, but oh, wow! And I started reading reading this uh, this little book as well, and it turns out that this guy must be some kind of a, of a spiritual person as well, because the book is dedicated to the lotus feet of Sri Satya Sai Baba.
1: kesuntai uh, <laughs> <Gesundheit. laughs>
0: kesuntai <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so. Uh, I think it deserves a couple of very, very bad reviews at least. And uh, it deser- deserves to be challenged. So please, anybody out there who has the time and interest to do so, please read this book and do everything in your power to, to
1: challenge this guy. <laughs> because it's ridiculous. All right, then... Before we go on, we have one more news item and that's to look into the measles epidemic that is still ongoing, especially in Ukraine. And in Ukraine, they've already, as of the third week of uh, 2019, there's been 8,500 cases. That's in three, just three weeks. Last year, they had 54,000 cases and there are more deaths as well. So it is terrible. But the good... It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also actually uh, an outbreak in a prison, which unfortunately to me sounds a little bit funny. So a prison outbreak must be where the prisoners are getting out, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? But no, it's more tragic, <laughs> more tragical than that. There are a, a number of cases in a in a Ukraine prison in Kiev, I believe, and uh, seventy one people came into contact with one uh, with the infected convicts, which I believe were seven, and now they have to to have them in quarantine because it spreads very very easily, and uh, we don't want that. So mm. that, that that's re- that's really bad we can see also that uh, it's not just europe actually just as a side note washington state also has of a, an emergency now with with several cases and this is all going back i believe to andrew wakefield and his very fatal study that claimed that uh, vaccinations were linked with autism which was turned out to be bunk and there's been I believe, I saw a number recently, uh, I haven't had time to check, but it sounds right. There's been studies of, in total, 25 million children since then. And there's never been found any link between vaccinations and autism. So at what point do you draw the conclusion that it's not there? There is no...
0: It depends on who you are, because he hasn't yet... No, he he Steel. will not
1: give. No, he had his twelve patients, which he also and he also manipulated the data to, and uh, you know. Yeah. So who do you want to trust? Anyway, that that's uh, it. We will continue to talk about measles. I'm afraid in the future as well, because the the crisis is not over, and uh, we will actually talk about uh, vaccinations a little bit more when we come to the next segment.
0: Oh. But but um, I hear that um, at least there are actual efforts make it made oh. now by the Ministry of Health. That's of, right. Of, Sorry, of I forgot to yeah. say
1: that. I forgot to say that there, there's now from in there is now in Ukraine an an initiative starting in February to to make sure that children get their vaccinations. I wonder what they thought about this during all of 2018. When they now suddenly decide that uh, it's time to do something about this crisis, but uh, I guess it's better better late than never. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm not impressed by the the speed that they have shown there,
0: and especially with a with an open world like what we live in, it's very easy to take it and land it somewhere else, because it's an easily communicable disease. Yeah. And for example, in the US, previously, it had been thought to be eliminated. Yeah. That meant that there were no locally emerging cases. However, it was imported from somewhere else, where unvaccinated people brought it in, and uh, because it's an easily communicable disease, obviously uh, a lot of people caught it so it's 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 very serious and it's so serious actually that the WHO the World Health Organization which issued an article uh, listing the 10 threats to global health in 2019 one of them one of the most serious threats to global health according to the WHO is vaccine hesitancy yeah uh, because that obviously it's not the only Reason why people are not vaccinated because some people just don't have access to vaccinations, but it's decreasingly the case because it's um, because of efforts made by organizations and people like like Bill and Belinda Gates, for example, who to do everything in their power to vaccinate the whole world, (laughs) if if they can. Yeah, and that is very important, and the WHO health uh, helps in that as well, but. Vaccine hesitancy is a serious issue. And um, I do recommend everyone, it's a very good read by Stephen Novella, who who writes an article about that uh, with the title WHO Vaccine Hesitancy Top Health Threat. Vaccine hesitancy is mentioned by the WHO, but they don't necessarily attribute it to the pseudoscientific ideas spreading like crazy about vaccines so what they do is is just well not completely but they kind of ignore it and this is where i think i think it's very important for skeptics to chime in because we have that experience in um, in tackling and then uh, even talking about where it comes from and uh, i'm pretty sure and and I agree that uh, the the anti-vaccine propaganda is very significant in in that regard. So we have to be able to tackle that. yeah here. Yeah. All right, uh, that's all about the news uh, for this week. But I hope that we have some kind of a positive segment this week instead of uh, really wrong. So Pontus, please. <laughs>
1: Yes, that's right András, for once I have a good, well, for once, sometimes, once in a while I exchange the really wrong for really right. And this time, uh, yeah, we're going to Sweden. The public health agency of Sweden is preparing for chicken pox to be included in the national vaccination program. Big Pharma, Big Pharma. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> I can tell you, as a parent of three children who all had chicken pox at one time or another, I was very surprised to hear just a couple of years ago that there is a vaccination available. And that's that also part of the normal program in many countries. It's not been the, the case in Sweden for some reason. I don't know why. I guess maybe that chickenpox is considered by some people to be pretty harmless. It's a childhood disease. You are sick and then you recover. But it can be really nasty. And in my you know anecdotal experience it it takes roughly 2 weeks to recover from and that's 2 weeks of suffering for the for the kid it's 2 weeks of the parents having to stay home from work because you can't leave the the child at daycare so that's a, a cost from an economical point of view and it's an unnecessary suffering And sometimes it's also much worse than that. In Sweden alone, about 300 to 400 children are hospitalized every year because of chickenpox. So it's not always you can deal with it at home. And occasionally it can be lethal that is especially the case for children who are under cancer treatment or other kind of treatment which makes them vulnerable for for other kinds of reasons they have a lower immune defense for some reason and and that's why the the disease hits them harder and it's also very costly as i mentioned it and i should also mention it can lead to uh, if you've had chicken pox it can lead to shingles later on in life uh, for adults who has had the chicken pox and and That's very very painful. Uh, It's not. I don't think it's very life threatening, but it's very very painful, as I said. And it makes you you have to stay home from from work, and and it's hard to get rid of. So, including this new uh, not new but this existing vaccine into the Swedish vaccination program, whatever you call it, hopefully means that chickenpox can be eliminated in Sweden. Should say that they haven't made a final decision yet. Uh, it's expected in the summer, but I think uh, they have all good reasons to include it. Here, here, Yeah. Yeah. So good. Very good. Yeah. So uh, just to conclude, it's upon time, but for reconsidering their position on chickenpox vaccination, the Public Health Agency of Sweden gets today's prize for being really right.
0: Cool. All right. Just one question. Mm-hmm. Is being included in the national vaccination program uh equivalent to it being compulsory or
1: no 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 it's not compulsory but in at least in sweden uh almost everybody follows the recommendations uh from from the health authorities you go to your normal checkups etc i i would expect i haven't seen the numbers but i'm sure that m- between 95 and 100% of, of uh, parents follow those recommendations. We in Sweden have uh, high, very high confidence in the healthcare system. So if they say to you, Good for you. you should get this vaccination for your child, most people get that. Wow. Mm.
0: Okay, I'm impressed.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's the situation for now. You never know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just have to keep it up. All yeah. right. Thank you very much, Pontus that basically concludes our show but before we go let's listen to a little bit of a promotional material from an organization or um, a project that is very important and very close to our heart you know i gotta say bigfoot's bs but the chupacabra is totally the result of top secret government genetic experiments on a remote island
2: Taking medical advice from Gwyneth Paltrow, like steaming your lady parts and putting jade eggs all up in there, is a great way to improve your health.
1: Police from around the world regularly use psychics to solve crimes. They just don't talk about it. Spontaneous human combustion is for sure a real thing. I've read all about it on the internet, and I worry someday it's going to happen to me.
0: We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker, who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you.
2: Join the Guerrilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team, and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information—Wikipedia.
0: We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and alt claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages.
2: We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information. But, as you can imagine, we can never do enough.
1: So please join us. All you need is a PC, a Facebook account, and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep.
2: Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla
1: Gorilla skepticism. skepticism. The, the time, time is, now. is now.
2: Music by PurplePlanet.com
0: And that means that we have nothing else to do but to actually conclude the show. And to do that, we always need a nice quote. So, Jelena, have you got a quote for us today? I do. And it's a very short one. It's from Immanuel Kant, who was
2: a German philosopher. All our knowledge begins with the senses, proceeds then to the understanding, and ends with reason. Hmm. There is nothing higher than reason. Reason is
0: good. Yeah. Reason is good. But... You have to have the facts as well, yeah. <laughs> because reason, re, you can reason without facts, all right? Uh, but it's a it's a it's a good quote. I like it. Uh, thank you very much, Yelena. Thanks. So, guys. guys, thank you very much for joining me today. Mm-hmm.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: As always, thanks, guys, and thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Paka paka. Bye bye. I don't
2: know how you can be believe
1: <laughs> Or... Uh, uh. Or did you want to introduce what the... what the... <laughs> no, okay not yet. Okay, sorry.
2: Happy birthday, yes, it's a round date... Uh... <laughs> sorry, no, ignore, ignore it. Uh, he was born in the 30th they of January... corrected
0: you! <laughs>
1: Uh, let's not. Uh, ah, well, never mind. Shit. Yeah, not. Let's not. Let's, let's not. not. It can lead to jingles. Yeah, jingles. No, no, it's jingles. not jingles. <laughs> <laughs>